0: open your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20, I'd like to look at verses 17 through the end of the chapter today. I've entitled today's message, The Jesus School of Leadership. The Jesus School of Leadership. Now there's a lot of information on this subject of leadership, whether it be in business or really just about any discipline in the world. There are lots of ideas about leadership, lots of You know uh, systems of leadership. But Jesus presents a very different look at leadership and advancement, if you will, in his kingdom. And it's not like the world, it's quite different from the world. And Jesus is going to minister some of this to his disciples. But before we get started in our text, I I did take a look at some famous leadership quotes. I thought I'd share a few of them with you. I, I think some of them are actually very good. Uh, A leader is one who knows the way, goes the way, and shows the way. I think that's good. Here's another one. Become the kind of leader that people will follow voluntarily, even if you had no title or position. That's good advice. Real leadership is leaders recognizing that they serve the people that they lead. Now, that's very much in line with I think what Jesus will be teaching. Here's a couple of funny ones that I liked and I thought I'd share them with you. There go my people. I must find out where they are going so I can lead them. (laughs) And here's one from A Bug's Life. First rule of leadership, everything is your fault. True. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. And this will be his last trip to Jerusalem, before the cross. And you can imagine that as Jesus is nearing this event, his crucifixion, that it would be on his heart, on his mind. And really kind of a last opportunity to sow some things into the heart of his disciples, to prepare them for the events they'll be facing in Jerusalem, but also to, to begin to speak about the kingdom, the leadership that these men are going to be entrusted with, to carry the gospel message forward. And so I'd like to break today's text up into three areas. Verses 17 and 19, Jesus speaks of the cross. Verses 20 through 28, Jesus speaks of the call. And verse 29 through 34, we see an example of the compassion of Jesus. Take a look with me now, verse 17, as Jesus speaks of what's coming As they approached Jerusalem. Now Jesus, going up to Jerusalem, took the twelve disciples aside on the road and said to them, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and to the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and to scourge and to crucify. And the third day, he will rise again. Jesus is being very open and very unveiled now as he speaks to his disciples. I, I like the fact that it says he, he took the 12 disciples aside. They were going up, to, of course, to celebrate Passover. Passover was a large attended uh, holiday in the Jewish nation. People from all around were, work, were going to Passover up in Jerusalem. Jerusalem. And Jesus, of course, is going and many are going with Jesus. He has a pretty large following by this time. But he takes the time to pull his disciples aside. And that kind of spoke to me. I I thought, you know, I like that Jesus had this intimate group that he wanted to share the, the intimate details of what was coming. You know, it's one thing to be called a Christian or to be a Christian in name. It is quite another thing to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. The Great Commission, when Jesus would send out these men, he wouldn't say, go out and make converts. He said, go out and make disciples, true followers, true students of Christ, true those that would be devoted to his teaching, to his ministry, to his call upon their life. And for those whose hearts are truly after the Lord as a disciple, we see that Jesus takes the time to really sow something of intimate truth into them. That's what I want in in my own walk with the Lord. I want to be a disciple. I want to be a student of Christ. I want to learn from him. I, I want to listen to him. I want to have him take me aside and speak truth into my heart. I want him to open up the depths of his heart to mine. Jesus is sharing here with his disciples. Now, the disciples had a different idea about Jesus's ministry. We've talked about this before. This is actually the third time that Matthew lets us know Jesus is speaking plainly about his death and crucifixion. But at each time, the, the disciples, in some cases, they resisted the idea. In other cases, they, it doesn't seem that they really grasped it. And even after the crucifixion, remember when Jesus came to them in resurrected, uh, bo- glorified body? He said, why were you so slow to, to you know, believe the things that I clearly told you? So even though Jesus is speaking plainly, they're not grasping at all. In fact, Luke tells us that they understood none of these things, that this saying was hidden from them. They did not know the things which were spoken. You see, you can be so preoccupied with what you think Jesus is up to that you miss the truth of what he is really up to. It can happen in our lives. We can be so caught up with our own preconceived ideas, our own preconceived desires. We're, we're so interested in uh, planning our own life with Jesus that we fail to hear those deep truths that Jesus has for each of us, those, those things that God wants to speak deep into our heart. Important to listen when the Lord speaks, important to allow him to speak to your heart, even if it's a different uh, agenda than what you may have. But he says, behold, we're going up to Jerusalem. This would be the celebration of Passover." Passover, of course, if you remember, was the celebration of God's delivering the Jewish nation out of Egypt. Remember the last night that they were there, they were to offer this unblemished lamb, the Passover lamb. They were to take blood from that lamb, put it on the doorposts of each home, and then the family was to actually partake of a meal, eating the Passover lamb. And that When God called them out, when when the death angel came, he actually passed over those homes that were marked by the blood of the unblemished lamb. In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul tells us that Jesus Christ himself has become our Passover lamb. All of history is pointing to this event. All of the biblical account leading up to this time is centered here at the cross. The sacrifice, something very significant is happening here. Jesus is talking about it, not just to warn them of the difficulties, but to really, really bring their attention to the spiritual significance of the cross. I want to remind you today, as we celebrate Christmas, of course, we are so grateful that he came. But remember that he came as a child to die on a cross as a savior. And it is this cross that should speak profoundly to all of us. Just a couple of thoughts in my own heart as I was pondering this. Uh, The cross speaks to me of the sinfulness of sin. When I think about the cross, it's not a pretty picture. I'm sure some of you have seen the Hollywood reenactments. It's a pretty graphic event. It's a violent assault on Christ. It was bloody. He says, I'm going to be mocked, I'm going to be scourged, I'm going to be crucified. He's talking about a very horrible and graphic and painful death. And the sense is that there is a vengeance for sin coming upon Christ the Savior. And we ought not to forget that. We ought not to think of sin as just, well, we all make mistakes. Well, I'm a pretty good person, but I I could use a little help from Jesus. Listen, we are lost in sin we are, as the, as the old hymn said, uh, amazing grace that saved a wretch like me. We don't talk like that anymore. It's not as self-affirming as we like to talk about ourselves these days. But truly, in our sin, we are wretched and selfish and lost and without hope. And there is a holy God who has issue with man, but he resolves it at the cross. This cross was no small thing. And we ought never to lose the perspective of that, lest we become casual in our embrace of Jesus. Let us remember the cross and what was dealt with there, the sins of all the world, yours too, mine as well. It speaks to me of the sinfulness of sin. It also profoundly speaks to me of the love of God. In in several places in the New Testament, the writers of the New Testament say that God's love has been demonstrated in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Whenever you're doubting the love of God, and I'll be honest, there are times in my own life, God, if you really love me, why am I going through this ordeal? Are you sure you love me? Is this is the way you treat your children, the ones you love, God? Because we come through trial but the Bible says, look, don't, don't measure God's love by the up and down of your circumstance. Always look where? To the cross. God has demonstrated his love in that while you were an enemy and a sinner and away from God, he came for you. He came at Christmas, but he came to die on the cross for your sins because he loves you. For God so loved the world. The cross speaks of a God who is willing to lay his life down for those that he loves. It is something to be encouraged by this cross of Jesus Christ because it could only be atoned for by a sinless sacrifice we had no power to do it ourselves. We had to God himself had to provide the sacrifice for sin. The third thing just to consider the cross of course and what Jesus is teaching is the victory of the resurrection. I mean, Jesus is pretty plain here in Matthew, isn't it? He says, I'm going to be crucified, and the third day he will rise again. I'm going to rise from the dead. And yet after the crucifixion, the disciples were hiding in fear and doubt and unbelief. The resurrection speaks to us of what was accomplished there at the cross. It was truly a victory over death, over sin, over the grave. And we can we can celebrate that today. We can rejoice in that today, knowing that what he meant to do at the cross has been fully accomplished. You don't have to live in doubt. Well, I know that that Jesus forgives a lot of sinners, but I don't know about mine. I'm pretty wretched. I don't know about mine. I I had a pretty dark past. Listen, the resurrection is the once and for all statement that sin has been atoned for. God has received it and you and I can walk in the freedom and fullness of his grace. Let's look on now as we consider our text. The cross gives us wonderful confidence and hope, but also Jesus is now going to speak about the call. He's going to talk about the attitude of servanthood within the kingdom. Look at verse 20 with me. Then the mother of Zebedee, excuse me, the mother of Zebedee's sons came to him with her sons, so mom and her boys, kneeling down and asking something from him. And he said to her, what do you wish? She said to him, grant that these two sons of mine may sit one hand on your right hand and the other on your left in your kingdom. But Jesus answered and said, you do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I am about to drink? and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? The boys spoke up. They said to him, we are able. Verse 23, so he said to them, you will indeed drink my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it is prepared by my father. Verse 24, now when the 10 heard of it, the other disciples They were greatly displeased with the two brothers, but Jesus called them to himself and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and those who are great exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant and whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. They're on their way to Jerusalem. Jesus is speaking of the cross and and what he is getting ready to endure. But mom and her boys are thinking about positions of authority in his someday kingdom. And you can't help but blame, I mean, you can't help but kind of understand this This Jewish mom who wants the best for her two sons. The sons of Zebedee were James and John, also nicknamed the Sons of Thunder. They were part of the fishing team with Peter. And so the mom wants to see them really recognize and have a prominent position in Jesus's coming kingdom. It's as if this idea of the cross and the mocking and the scourging, that kind of just sailed over. Let's talk about ruling and reigning. Let's talk about position and and, uh, prominence. And Jesus says to her, he doesn't rebuke her. He doesn't say, what a terrible thing that you would want to have some place of service in my kingdom. He does not correct that or even come against that, but he rather tells them how that must be obtained. It's a different way than the way the world works. But he says, listen, first of all, you don't really realize what you're asking. Are you prepared to drink the cup and be baptized with the baptism that I'm going through? He's talking, of course, about the suffering and the death at the cross. Are you willing to follow me? Jesus would say in another place, deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me. You guys want positions on the right and the left, but are you willing to drink the cup and have the baptism that I'm getting ready prepared for? And of course, they speak up right away. James and John, of course, we're able (laughs) A little too quick. I wonder if they really understood what was coming. But Jesus said, you know what? Even though you don't completely understand what's coming, the truth is you indeed will drink this cup and you will be baptized with this baptism. James would be the first martyr in the New Testament church. He would be the first apostle that would lose his life. Herod would put him to death because it pleased Jesus the Jews. It was a political move. And John, although he would live long in years, we know that he suffered a great deal of persecution. He writes the book of Revelation as an old, old man uh, exiled on the Isle of Patmos, imprisoned basically, not free to go where he went. He says, guys, you don't understand it yet, but truthfully, there is a cup for you to drink and a baptism that you will undergo in order to fulfill what I have called you to, what the Father has prepared for you. But he says, concerning the right hand and the left, he says, that's not mine to give. You see, the Father has a plan for each. I cannot give to you, Jesus is saying to his disciples, what only the Father has prepared. He has a preparation for some to be on the right and the left. He's also prepared something for you. And really, I think it speaks to our hearts in terms of our wanting to serve the Lord It's not us coming to him asking for our desired place, but rather saying, Lord, what place have you prepared for me? I want to be faithful because I know that what you have crafted for me is exactly what you've also gifted me to do. That's where I'm going to find the best fulfillment. That's where I'm going to find the real kind of joy of life and grace in serving you is as I submit and surrender to what you have prepared for me. And listen... God has something special and unique and beautiful prepared for each and every one of you. Well, will it include suffering? It might. Will it include sacrifice in this life? It might. But will it be worth it? Yes. Because the kingdom that God is talking about is for eternity. And whatever he's he's tasked us with in this life, oh God, help me to be faithful. Help me to be faithful because, first of all, I will find fulfillment. There will be a grace to do these things. But not only that, there will be a sense of eternal destiny. Those are the things that are going to last when we allow the Lord to use our life for his glory. Well, verse 24 tells us that when the other 10 guys heard about John, James, and and Mommy going to Jesus, they were upset. You guys doing getting your mother in here to kind of soften Jesus up, trying to get some position from Jesus, right? A little jealousy rising up in their heart. They were angry, they were upset. Jesus uses this. Guys, guys, quit it. You know, you can just see this happening, right? Guys, settle down. Come here, come here. (laughs) Let me talk to you. Let me tell you a little something about ambition. Let me tell you a little something about leadership in my kingdom, about really becoming a servant as your vehicle to true greatness and fulfillment in this life and in my kingdom eternally he uses it as an opportunity to teach them and sow something of his leadership principles into their heart he said listen in the gentile world they look to lord over and they look to exercise authority in the world there can be some harsh leaders they rule by force, they rule by intimidation, they rule by you know, bullying and and, or just stepping on one another to get to their exalted place. But he says it should not be that way among you. It's not to be like the world. Life in the kingdom, life in the Christian community is not to look like life in the world. It's not to be this competitive self-seeking at the expense of others. Rather, Jesus said, if you want to be great, if you want to be first learn to be a servant. Learn to be a slave. Look look to allow others to be even more important than yourself. And Jesus said, look, follow me. I'm the example. Even as I came into the world, I'm the son of man. I'm God's divine. I am divine. I am God in the flesh. And yet I'm not here to be served. I'm here to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. The idea of redemption has this idea of a purchased price. You know, you redeem something. You take something of value and you redeem it. And that's, that's what is kind of alluded here. Jesus says, I'm coming to pay a ransom. Mankind is enslaved to sin. The Bible says you are lost and without hope. If you don't have Jesus as your redeemer, if you have not embraced Jesus as your ransom." You are lost and in your sin, and you have no ability to pay your way out. There's nothing that you can bring that will satisfy the demand. Only the blood of Jesus can cleanse you, only what Christ has done. And he says, I've come to be the ransom for many. And so Jesus is encouraging his disciples to take this attitude of being a servant. I'm a servant, guys. You're going to have to be a servant this is the way you advance in my kingdom. Now, when we think about being a servant, honestly, it's one of the hardest things in the world, isn't it? I mean, being a servant is not easy because we're, we're selfish. I, I don't want to serve others. I want others serving me. I mean, we're just, we have this selfishness that rises up in all of us. It's hard to be a servant because of selfishness. For example, my wife. She likes to decorate the house for Christmas. And when I say decorate the house for Christmas, I mean, it's a North Pole experience. It's, it's really, really lush. And she does a beautiful job and she's so, she, you know, very attentive to it. it, takes her days, she has all these special things. And she asks of me just a couple of things relating to the tree and lights. And I really don't want to do it. I don't want to get involved in that. I mean, I have sporting events to watch during this season. And, you know, how am I going to relate to the men in the church if I'm not keeping up on the sports? And I've got sons that want to play golf. And how are they going to be able to play golf unless dad goes and pays for it? <laughs> I I just, it's not like I have all this extra time to celebrate the birth of Jesus. What is she, I mean, is it like some super pastor that she thinks she's married to? (laughs) Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out, not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. It's so hard to serve, isn't it? Because our self gets in the way. This passage out of Philippians, of course, goes on to say, have this attitude, which was the same attitude that was manifested and modeled for us in Christ. It's hard to serve. In another way, in another aspect, I want to say that being a servant is the easiest thing to do. You know why? Because there are so many opportunities. Listen, you can be a servant before your head hits the pillow tonight. There are ways for you to serve in your marriage, in your home, in the workplace, in the church, in your friendships. There are so many needs. There is so much opportunity To serve, to to take consideration for the interests of others, and to to minister to that. Listen, if you're one of these people that thinks, Well, I'd I'd like to serve, but I I just don't have any opportunity, you're just not looking hard enough. The opportunities abound. This is one of the, the greatest opportunities we have. And it's so simple, it's so profound. It has heavenly reward. God watches over every cup of water given in his name. You put your heart to serve, God will open the doors. You open your eyes, you will see opportunities to be a blessing that will abound and surprise you. But there's an attitude that we need to bring in our service. And I want to, you don't need to turn to that, but let me just read something Jesus said in Luke 17. Verse seven, he said, which of you having a servant plowing or tending sheep will say to him when he has come in from the field, come at once and sit down to eat. But will he not rather say to him, prepare something for my supper and gird yourself and serve me till I have eaten and drunk? And afterward you will eat and drink. Does he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I think not. Not. So likewise you, when you have done all those things which you are commanded, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done what was our duty to do. Somewhere in our walk with the Lord, this light needs to come on. Look, he ransomed you. He purchased you. You're his now. And that that he would now entrust you opportunities to be a light and to represent him in the earth. These, this is not some chore. John says his commandments are not to be burdensome. His commandments are opportunities to allow the grace of God to flow through your life. And Jesus is saying, don't, don't cop an attitude. Like, I hope you appreciate this, Lord. I did this today for my wife. I hung lights today, Lord. I think not. (laughs) I think that we ought to say, Lord, I'm just a servant, unprofitable. I've only done what you've asked me to do. And what else could I do? But that which you, my Savior, have asked of me, whatever he would ask is an opportunity to be of use in his kingdom. Let me quote this commentator. I just love the way he phrased this. The cost of true greatness is humble, selfless, sacrificial service. The Christian who desires to be great and first in the kingdom is the one who is willing to serve in the hard place, the uncomfortable place, the lonely place, the demanding place, the place where he is not appreciated and may even be persecuted. Knowing that time is short and eternity long, He is willing to spend and be spent. He is willing to work for excellence without becoming proud, to withstand criticism without becoming bitter, to be misjudged without becoming defensive, and to withstand suffering without succumbing to self-pity. Isn't that a beautiful description of the kind of service that the Lord would call us to do? Now, let's be honest, we can't do it in our own strength. We're going to need a relationship with Him. We're going to need a grace that flows from Him. Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're just branches. You want to bear fruit? You've got to abide. You've got to stay connected to the source of grace and love and compassion that will empower and enable you to serve Him in this regard. This brings us to our close. Look with me now in the final verses. After Jesus speaks to His disciples, they take up the trip again up to Jerusalem. And as if Jesus now models it for them before their eyes, verse 29, now, as they went out of Jericho, a great multitude followed him. And behold, two blind men sitting by the road when they heard that Jesus was passing by, cried out, saying, have mercy on us, O Lord, son of David. Then the multitude warned them that they should be quiet, but they cried out all the more, saying, have mercy on us, O Lord, son of David. So Jesus stood still and he called them and said, what do you want me to do for you? They said to him, Lord, that our eyes may be opened. So Jesus had compassion and touched their eyes and immediately their eyes received sight and they followed him. Jesus is on his way. And again, it would have been a large crowd, but somewhere off in the distance, two blind men, they hear that Jesus is drawing near and they begin to cry out, O oh Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. It's a messianic term. It's, a, it's an acknowledgement that he is of the lineage of David. He is the promised Savior for their nation, but they know that he has the power to even heal them. Oh, da- oh, uh, Son of David, have mercy on us. Their cry is for mercy. And Jesus stands still. He listens to that distance cry and he he brings them to him. What would you want me to do for you, Lord, that we would have our sight? And it says that in compassion. And this is what I want you to see. This is the true fuel for all service. It's the love of God. It's the compassion of Christ flowing through your heart to a broken world, to a broken home, to a broken workplace. all oh, the world needs Jesus. They need the compassion of Christ. You know, they're crying out and they're saying, no, no, don't bother them. Keep quiet. Keep quiet. They cry out all the more. Jesus is listening for those cries and Jesus wants to minister. Jesus wants to touch. The apostle Paul would say that the love of Christ compels us. We're not out here on our own strength. We're not on the mission field because we're just really, you know, high achievers. It's the compassion of God that has touched us and changed us and broken us and rebuilt us that now compels us. We move because God's moving through us. I had an opportunity this, this past week, and it was a blessed time. I had an opportunity to take a road trip with a couple of brothers from our fellowship, and we, we went down to Ensenada. And we went down there to see uh, one of our brothers at fellowships here, Ben Tucker, he was graduating from the Calvary Chapel Bible College in Ensenada. And we wanted to be there to see the graduation. So we drove down to Ensenada. We had a great time of fellowship. We had great tacos to and from. But we got to Calvary Chapel Ensenada where the, where the graduation ceremony was being held. And we were so blessed. You know, Ben, our, our little Ben, Some many of you know him. He graduated valedictorian. He graduated at the very top of his class, and he was, the, he was the guest speaker at the event, <laughs> amen. We were so proud of him. And we had a couple of other students there, Amanda and T there, and they were just there serving and enjoying the event. So we had a nice little Monrovia reunion there in Ensenada. And I had the chance to meet up with the, uh, uh, the overseer of the college, the one who ran the college, him and his wife that are living there and running this, this Bible college organizing it all. And uh, they were blessed to meet us because we have, you know, several students there on campus with them. And, and you know, to look at this guy, I mean, and his wife, they really didn't look like missionaries to Mexico. They they really looked like Mr. and Mrs. Midwest, you know, just very uh, conspicuous there in Ensenada. I don't think either one of them spoke a lick of Spanish, but they're there running the Bible college. So I'm saying, how did you get here running this Bible college? And they said, you know, it's, a, it's a, just a powerful story of what the Lord did in our lives. Somewhere back about 10 years ago, my wife and I, we were living in Lakewood. I had a business I was running. I felt, we felt called to go on a mission trip. So we took a short-term mission trip with, with a church group and we went down to Tijuana. And he said, he said, within the first day, the Lord broke our hearts for Mexico. We went back, I sold my business, we sold everything, and we moved to Mexico. The Lord began to open opportunities for us to serve. It's been seven years since I was invited to come and, and run the Bible college here, and we've been here since its inception. And I can't tell you the miracles and the stories of how God has blessed and provided and how he has worked. I understood a little bit of what he meant when he said the Lord broke our hearts. It's the compassion of God touched us. Something of God was birthed in them. Something of God now looking to flow through them. Now, not all are called to that kind of step, right? Come home, sell it all, and move go to Mexico. But all of us are called to something. All of us are compelled by the love of Christ in some way. You don't have to be a missionary there. You can be a missionary right here. You can allow this kind of grace to flow through your heart even now. Some may be called to go. Some may be called to stay, but all are called. And the love of God, for all of us that have come to faith in Christ, His love has changed us all. And that love, as it works within, I just believe that it can't help. And that's what these, this, this couple said He broke our hearts, we were ruined. We could never go back to life the way we knew it. We had to give place to this compassion of Christ that was burning in our hearts. I'll close with this little phrase that Chuck Smith used to say. Often you've probably heard it. Let me read it to you, and then we'll pray. Only one life, twill soon be past. Only what's done for Christ will last. Let's pray. Father, I I thank you for this passage today and the lessons from Jesus. And Jesus, you're our teacher. Jesus, you're our example. The writer of Hebrews says you're the one that authored and will finish our faith, you're the pioneer. And you showed us a path of service, a path of laying your life down. And that he who's willing to lose his life for your sake is going to truly find it. Lord, my heart is is challenged today. I have to confess, Lord, that I I am still so petty and selfish and self-consumed at times. Oh, Lord, help me. O oh Lord, change me. May your love continue. And I know I'm just a work in progress like many, Lord, and not to condemn, but Lord, to be, to be moving in that direction. This is our heart's desire today. And especially in this season, Lord, help us, show us ways to be of service to you by caring for those that you care about, whether it be close in family or workplace or church, Lord, however you might want to compel us. And as our heads are bowed here now and we finish in prayer, I I do want to give an opportunity for anyone here today that may need to respond to the word of the Lord. You may be here today and you do not have that disciple relationship with the Lord Jesus. You know about him. You've been around people that, that are his disciples, but you yourself have never come to that full embrace of faith. You've never come and said, Lord, I, I'm, I'm a sinner and I need you to ransom me back. I need you to forgive me and cleanse me. And I believe, Jesus, that you went to that cross for me. And I want to receive that today in fullness. And that if that's you here today, I want to pray for you. Maybe you're here today and you need to rededicate, recommit your life to the Lord. I'm thinking of someone that at one time... You were on fire. At one time, your heart was was just burdened to serve the Lord. It brought you the greatest joy and fulfillment in your life when you were serving Him. But today, today you're distant. The fire has dimmed and, and something has happened and you've drifted. But you sense the Lord drawing you back and you know in your heart that that's the only real place that you're going to have the fullness of joy and peace that he's promised. And if that's you, or if that kind of describes something of where you're at, I want to pray for you too. And I think the Lord loves us so much that he wants to empower us with that love and that that goodness. So if you're here today, you want to receive Christ for the very first time, or you need to rededicate, recommit your life to Jesus. I would ask you just to raise your hand where you're seated. Let me see you and I'm going to pray for you. A number of hands. My left, the right section, the center section, a couple hands. The back on the right, God bless you. Back there in the center as well. Up here in the front as well, in the front center section, God bless you. My left, God bless you. On the aisle there in the center section, God bless you. Any others? The Lord's speaking to you. this It's between you and him. We're just going to pray. God bless you. I see your hand there on the left side. Another hand in the back. Amen. Got our ushers helping me identify a lot of hands, a lot of people responding. Anyone else before we pray? God bless on the aisle there on the far right. So, Lord, for these hearts responding to you today, Lord, I believe that what you have for each heart is love and grace abundant. And as we come to you, Lord, we we simply come with sincere hearts and we say, Jesus, first of all, I'm just asking you to forgive me. I recognize that I'm, as the the famous hymn said, Lord, I'm just a wretch. I'm just a sinner needing your grace today, but oh, how you've provided for me. Jesus, you died on the cross. You came for me. You came to pay the ransom, to free me from this sinful bondage that I might know fellowship with you, relationship with you, without guilt, without shame, just the full measure of your love and grace upon me. So I confess that and I receive that forgiveness. But Lord, we also pray that you would now and en- enable us to live for you. Touch us with your love. Change us. We don't want to be that hard and bitter and selfish, preoccupied. We want to be touched and changed by the love of Jesus so profoundly that it flows through our lives to those around us for your glory, for your kingdom. Lord, use my life however you desire. This is our prayer for these hearts today.